This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Man, the 49ers look good last night. It's a shame they're not the best team in the NFC yet. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio on a big football Friday. I am in Michigan at the Big House. Joe is with us from Vegas. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, 888-SAY-ESPN. We are live on ESPN Radio and, of course, on Sirius XM Channel 80, the ESPN app, where you can watch us as well. Joseph Anthony Arthur Fortenbaugh the eighth. What up? Uh, not as much as you. I'm jealous. I'm seeing that big, beautiful dome of yours in mm-hmm. my return feed. You got the field behind you at Michigan. You're up in what I'm assuming is the press box yes. of some capacity. I'm in the you look visiting great. radio booth here at Michigan Stadium. Thanks to the folks from UM for allowing us to do the show here today. We're thrilled. Well, it's a big show with a big brand. Like I said, yes. we picked up 220,000 Twitter followers the opening week on this show. Michigan understands that. Yes. Michigan understands the power of big brands. Thank you for hosting Carlin versus Joe, even if it's just Carlin, and I'm still stuck here in my home studio. <laughs> well, we've got so much to get through through the course of the day. We've got our ESPN radio pick, and we've got the sports radio Super Bowl that is happening this Sunday in one yep. of the games on the NFL slate. But let's start with the NFC and how it looks after yesterday, because the Cowboys, oof, that was a rough day yesterday. Because you look up, Trevon Diggs, out for the year, torn ACL. Absolutely awful to see that happen. And then, last night, you watch the 49ers, and they look like a fantastic team. They look like a team to beat in the NFC. But, Joe, I'm not ready to go there yet as complete as they look. They handled the Giants pretty much as we anticipated they would in almost exact fashion. And... They were able to completely control that game from front to back. And if you're the Cowboys, that's got to look a little bit troubling. Eagles are still the best team in the NFC. And I know we could say that the 49ers have perhaps looked the best. That's not what's important to me right now. Until you get a chance to truly knock them off, they are still the champs, even if they haven't played that well. So at the current moment, let's look at how Vegas views it. The Niners aren't just the favorites to win the NFC at a price of plus 240, which means bet $100, win 240. They are your Super Bowl favorites right now. The entire NFL, the San Francisco 49ers are your favorites at a price of plus 550. That would be $100 to win 550. Kansas City second, and then the two teams tied for third in the odds for the Super Bowl, as well as the NFC, are the Eagles and the Cowboys. Vegas sees the Eagles and the Cowboys even. They have the Niners above them. Now, that isn't necessarily a power ranking. It's just a jumping off point for the conversation because the Niners and the Eagles have to go through one another and they have a much difficult, much more difficult schedule than what the Niners will face. That has to be factored in because the chances of getting to the playoffs, making a deep run is based on a variety of factors, your talent, your coaching, your injuries, all that, but also your schedule and your playoff positioning. It looks like the Niners are probably going to run away with the NFC West, which means they'll be set up to host at least one home playoff game. We don't know who's winning the NFC East as of yet. So the loser of that battle between Dallas and Philly is playing on weekend one, and they're going to be on the road pretty much the entire time. So you still feel the Eagles are the best team in the NFC just because the champ hasn't been defeated yet. Is that what you're saying? It's it's a few things. That's part of it. That's number one. Are we convinced that in the NFC Championship game, if Brock Purdy had stayed healthy, that the 49ers were going to win that game with the kind of role that they were on. 
No, no, they were going to no. make it much more competitive, but they weren't yes. going to win it. No, I, I completely agree. Now, the Eagles, you can make the argument that they have taken a little bit of a step backward with losing your two coordinators, and then Javon Hargrave moves on and actually joins the 49ers. But they haven't played their best yet, and I think overall they still have the best talent in the conference. And, and Joe, the thing that really, I think, sets the Eagles apart. Last night was not a night to judge the 49er offensive line because Brock Purdy did an amazing job of getting the football out, and there was a ton of blitz coming his way. I think he actually helped out the offensive line quite a bit. When I look at the Eagles in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, they're better and they're a little bit deeper, and that's saying something on the defensive side. So – while they have not put it together offensively quite yet, I still know what the talent level is, and it's saying something when we are putting the bar of talent above what San Francisco has because they are very, very, very good, on, on especially on the defensive side. I think there's still a lot to be determined about their offensive line. The Eagles are averaging 29 points per game so far this season, and we're saying the offense doesn't look that good just yet. That, yeah. That's saying something right there. Exactly. Now, it's, it's Minnesota and it's New England, but to hang 29 a game through the first two and say, well, the, the offense looks a little shaky, that's good news for Philadelphia. Let's go through some of this. I, you, you talked about the trenches. The Eagles are going to win there, especially on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Quarterback play, we're going to give the nod to Hurts, although Purdy does look good. It doesn't look like last year was just a fluke. No, He's it doesn't. Been solid. He's listen, been solid. What do we do about – yeah, go no, ahead. I, listen, I totally agree. I think he's 100% uh, uh, the real thing right now. What do you do with coaching? Who gets the edge? Shanahan's been around longer, but yeah. Sirianni built these guys up quick and has had a lot of success with them. I don't think there's there's a whole lot of difference right now. Okay. I really don't. I mean, it's hard to say when it comes to the coordinators, okay, because Steve Wilkes looks like he has gone in to San Francisco and basically, you know, picked up where where they, they've left off. That was been a great situation for him. But uh, I look at, you know, Sirianni, and even though he's lost his two coordinators, I still have to feel pretty good about where he's at with leading that organization. So we're we're having this conversation, and we are just we're not even talking about Dallas. Is Dallas not even in this? Is it one not two? Yet. Because the Trayvon Diggs injury is a huge blow to what's supposed to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah. But Prescott has looked very good this season. He's climbing up the MVP candidate board. I think he's sitting there at fifth right now, top five in terms of odds at ten Oof, to one. But again, spirit. it comes down to the fact that he's beaten Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson, not exactly the murderer's row of opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, it, it that's a sucker's bet right now. I, oh, I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't touch. I mean, you sound skeptical. Would you bet on Dak Prescott to win the MVP right now? No, not at that price. If you yeah. wanted to bet on him, you should have realized in advance he would probably look good against the Giants and the Jets. And then at that point, you would have gotten a much better price playing him early. Now you're just buying high. That's not going to get you anywhere. I don't it's like everyone Dallas... who wants to buy Tua right now, right? Tua is your favorite at like five to one. Oh, two of this, two of that. When he was originally priced before the season started, it was like 20, 25 to one. That factored in the injury risk. Now that he's down to five to one, they've basically taken the injury risk out and said he's your favorite. Well, yeah. you still have the injury risk with what 15 games to play you're just not getting that benefit with the pricing yeah and, and listen I, I i wouldn't touch it anyway because i think there's going to be way too many other guys who are maybe he's, he's probably not even going to be the mvp on his team i mean i could make that case but oh, that aside 
Joe. I mean, look at the 49ers and look at the Eagles. I don't think it's fair to put the Cowboys in that discussion, yet they've done what they've what they're supposed to do and they've handled their business and I'm not knocking them for the opponents that they have played, but when I have those two teams who were coming back from the NFC Championship game last year and they look like they have not lost a step, why am I putting another team in that discussion yet when I haven't seen that team match up against either team yet this season? I'll get to see it in a couple of weeks, but I'm not ready to do that yet with the Cowboys. And I, and I can't disagree with you because the only reason you'd be putting them up there with them right now is what we all suffer from from time to time, which is recency bias. Yeah. They have looked very good through two games. Again, those games came against the 1-2 and two Giants, who should be 0-3, and, and the Jets team that has lost its season before it basically even started. Now, you look good against the Jets. You put up a big number, and you've been impressive in these wins, but you're going to need to see more. You know the Eagles. They made it to the Super Bowl last year. They were right in it. We know the Niners because over the last five years, Kyle Shanahan has shown he's going to put a team together that if they can avoid the big catastrophic injuries, they're going to compete very late in the season. Dallas is the team with the question marks. So for the Cowboy fans out there thinking we're not getting any respect, you got to do it in the playoffs, man. Respect isn't given. It's earned. The Eagles have earned respect, and they continue to win. The Niners have earned respect, and they continue to win. The Cowboys are winning, but they haven't gone out and done it when it matters most. That, however, if you're a Cowboys fan, is where there's opportunity. You know, just because something hasn't happened in the past doesn't mean it can't happen in the future. Look at the Virginia Cavaliers basketball team, right? Uh, No one had ever lost as a one seed in March Madness, and then boom, they go down. So then the following year, no one wants to bet them, and they go out and win the whole tournament. So we can't get too caught up in it. Dallas deserves credit, but I'm with you on that. We're not going to put them in that upper echelon just yet. You got to go out and show it. And in week five, when you're in San Francisco, you're going to have a chance to show it. All right, but do you think at some point this year, we're going to put them in that discussion. Are we going to have the yeah. three teams in that discussion for the best team in the NFC? Yeah, well, those are two different questions because you could put them in the discussion if, like, Philly drops off and has injuries and we're no longer discussing it, but that's me going into the weeds. I apologize yeah. for that. It's a classic Hembo situation there, me just arguing <laughs> technical points on the question. We're getting into semantics, and as we know, semantics can screw everything up. Absolutely. All right, so I guess it all comes down to this Week 5 matchup in San Francisco. If Dallas goes there and wins, that answers itself. If Dallas goes there and plays very competitively and loses, let's call it 24-23, I think we're probably putting them in that category as well right we're still going to say they belong here's the thing if the cowboys make it a close game in other words inside of a touchdown yeah we'll start to discuss that i really can't have that discussion until i know that physically the 49ers or the eagles specifically the 49ers in week five aren't just going to beat them up aren't just going to beat the daylights out of them. And I get where the Cowboys are in the trenches, but I still feel like physically right now, I don't know that they can handle those two teams. I don't think if we're taking injuries out of the equation and we're just talking about the quality of the opponent, there will not be a time this year where we have the Cowboys on the same tier as the Eagles and the 49ers. Okay. Okay, this is going to be a good, long-threaded discussion for this show. Every week we'll be revisiting it. We'll see how Dallas looks this week, which, by the way, nice little schedule to start the season. Uh, Daniel Jones and the Giants, Zach Wilson and the Jets, and then whatever Arizona's going to trot out there this weekend. Like, 
Don't hurt yourself and pull a muscle, Cowboys, trying to navigate this September schedule. Yeah, it's not exactly murderer's road by any stretch. We are just getting rolling. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Look, you heard Joe a few minutes ago talk about Trevon Diggs and the impact he's going to have on the Cowboys' defense with him being out now. But it actually has a much larger impact and puts a whole lot more pressure on one person individually, and he's on a hot seat. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply reggie white who's a defensive end for the green bay packers says that the fire bombing of his church in knoxville tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him first there was one fire then there was another then there was another it wasn't just reggie's church that burnt down hundreds of churches burned in the 90s i think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit and that has to do with racism was this 1996 or 1956 30 for 30 podcast and antsgate presents through the flames listen now wherever you get your podcasts Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Oh, baby, were we cooking last night? Pizza money for yesterday goes 4-1 and one plus 2.75 units. Overall, the show is officially profitable. 14 wins, 11 defeats, 1 tie. We are up 1.82 units. We got two NFL selections for you. Buckle up. The first is a six-point teaser. We're going to take Baltimore, who's an eight-point favorite against Indianapolis, and we're going to tease that down to minus two, meaning we just need the Ravens to win by three. Well, if that's so easy, why wouldn't everyone bet it? The catch is you need a second team in there as well. That will be the Miami Dolphins from six and a half, moving all the way down to half a point. The Ravens we like because it looks like Gardner Minshew is going to get the start for Indianapolis. It's not official yet. It's going to be rainy and messy in Baltimore. The Ravens are built to win those games. As for the Dolphins, it's their first home game of the season. We need to cover half a point against the flailing Denver team. Uh, I don't see that being much of an issue. So pizza money number one, six-point teaser, Baltimore minus two, and Miami minus half a point. The other pizza money we're going to give you is the Dallas Cowboy team total. We're betting how many points the Cowboys score. Over, under 27 and a half. We are going to bet over 27 and a half points against Arizona. Why? Because it's Arizona. That's all the analysis you need. 
breaking news. Cowboys corner Trayvon Diggs tore his left ACL in practice. He's expected to miss the rest of the season. This is a massive loss. There's no other way around it. Just how well he's played, how well he's paired with Stephon Gilmore. I mean, he's playing probably better than he did two years ago. He just got paid, but what he means to not only this defense, but the football team of the Dallas Cowboys. This is a huge loss. I feel sorry for Trayvon Diggs. I, I really do. Let's just call this what it is. It's losing one of the best corners in the league. Trayvon Diggs, out for the year, a killer for the Cowboys. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph, uh, that news for Dallas had to be very tough to swallow. I don't believe that it's one that is a debilitating loss, but it is certainly one that is going to make a whole lot more pressure go on the offense, and I think specifically on Mike McCarthy because he has been getting lauded so far for his uh, ability to call the plays and do exactly what he talked about wanting to do, running the football that much more, right? Well, now you're going to have to run it even more because you want to help your defense out. It's not just about scoring points now. It's also got to be about keeping them off the field. So there's a little bit more pressure on McCarthy, the play caller, to make sure this team is still as effective running the football so that they can overcome injuries like that on defense. Without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. And if you're Micah Parsons and that pass rush unit, you're going to need to get after it even more aggressively than you have. Because if you can, you can cover up deficiencies in the back end. You don't want opposing quarterbacks having four seconds to find an open receiver. You want them having two seconds. And if you're able to do that as a pass rush, you can cover up some of those problems. But here's what this loss means to the Dallas Cowboys. We talked about this in the opening segment, and it's obvious to just about everybody that the biggest competition for the Cowboys in the NFC is naturally the Niners and the Eagles. Look at what they bring to the table offensively. The Niners can trot out Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, and that's before you even start talking about Christian McCaffrey in the passing game. Philadelphia can trot out A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and that's before we start talking about what their running backs can do in the passing game. Bottom line here is you just lost a top-tier cornerback in a conference where your two top rivals have big-time passing attacks with lots of explosive weapons across the field. So for the Cowboys, it's not just about what they don't have. It's about the advantage those other two teams will gain when they're trying to throw the ball against Dallas. I also want to know how this is going to affect Dan Quinn. I think there's a little more pressure there, too. Listen, Dan Quinn has been the darling of Dallas for the last couple of years. People have wanted him to be the head coach. He's done a fantastic job with that defense. You touched on it with Parsons. The pass rush covers everything up. The pass rush, when you can do it without blitzing, which the Cowboys have been able to do, uh, that really helps because then it's not just on the back end uh, being able to cover everybody, but you get extra bodies back there to do it. So now with Diggs, you're going to need those extra bodies uh, more so than than really be- ever before. And if you're Quinn, what always strikes me about uh, these kind of defensive coordinators is, is how losing a player like that impacts everything else that they do on that end to help compensate for it. 
if you go back and look at those two title runs the New York Giants put together in yep. the aughts when they beat the Patriots, Bingo. that's exactly what you're talking about from a defensive yep. perspective. They didn't need the blitz. They could get home with four when they have guys like Michael Strahan and Matthias Kiwanuka and Osu Minora and everything that they brought to the table. That's how they went to Lambeau Field and won that game in the NFC Championship. They rushed four, and they dropped seven. And when you're able to cause consistent havoc in that backfield with seven defenders dropping in the coverage, it's going to be tough to put together a very competent passing game against you while matriculating your way down the field. So I think that's an excellent point on your behalf. But this is what Dan Quinn gets paid for. Dan Quinn is a very good defensive coordinator. They're going to find ways to make adjustments. This is something that goes back to what we talked about before the season started. It's a a war of attrition. Part of winning a Super Bowl, a big part, is staying healthy. Last year, two of the healthiest teams in the NFL in terms of playing time lost were the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. You need to be very talented to get to the Super Bowl, but you also need to be fortunate from an injury perspective. That's something that's burned the Niners in the past. It's something that's burned a lot of people in the past, but for the Cowboys, it's starting. It doesn't have to go this way, but this is already one that's worth noting. Where does this ramp up the pressure, though, when it comes to Dak versus McCarthy on the offensive end? Dak's just going to need to continue to be the guy that they're paying him to be. He's going to need to go out there, and he's going to need to eventually win a game. Prescott so far has been smart. He's been smooth. He's been careful with the football. It looks like a new guy, and it's worked out very well through two games. But in week five at San Francisco, I'm betting Prescott's going to need to make a few huge plays in that game in order to win. Can he do that? It's the same question pre-Trayvon Diggs injury that it is post-Trayvon Diggs injury. Can Prescott make the big plays in the big spots against the best opposition. The day he answers that question is the day Dallas is going on to compete for the Super Bowl. I'll tell you, it's interesting. If you want to talk about Dak and the MVP, this would be a good way to do it if he could start ramping it up, too. I don't know if that's – I don't think that's ever going to be a a real discussion. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80 from one former Cowboy to another one doing huge things. Actually, to a current Cowboy – now to a former cowboy doing huge things. My bad there, Joe. I just want to clean that up. That's all. You know, Deion Sanders has been in the news, Joe. He's doing quite a bit for Colorado. I don't know if you've seen that. And so, in moments, the the, uh, the Colorado Buffaloes are 21-point dogs this weekend. How do they pull off the upset? The man calling the game joins us in moments. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. Epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. 
have not played a complete game. We have not played a game with offense, defense, as well as special teams has all shown up in the same manner. Everything about the story is just compelling. And at every turn, he's got a new chapter for us. And it's like more compelling than the last. As they start to move into Pac-12 play, the emphasis is going to be less about the elite skill that they have at wide receiver. And teams are going to force them to play more in a phone booth and expose what is a questionable offensive line. Compelling is is the best word that you could really use to describe what's going on with Colorado and Deion Sanders right now. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. You can watch us on the ESPN app as well. On the call tomorrow, it is Joe Tessitore, Jesse Palmer, Katie George, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, ABC. It is Colorado visiting Oregon. Joe Tessitore joins us right now. Joe, Chris Carlin, along with Joe Fortenbaugh, we appreciate the time on what is surely a busy day for you. You spent the day around D on yesterday what was that like it was wild carlin um almost as wild as constantly seeing joe's mustache that he's been rocking this football season which i don't know that i'd say me an update (laughs) can you please give me an update as to the health status the welfare of the mustache how is that thing looking if i if you're to give my uh take on it we're we're still in the honeymoon stage as a partnership yeah. on the show, so I'm going to go with it looks fantastic, but I would say, uh, especially with considering what he has to look at daily, that's probably my safest play. I would say it's healthy. It's absolutely healthy. Good. Let's keep it that way. Let's keep it going. Anyways, as for yesterday, <laughs> listen, this is not <laughs> this is not a normal week of prepping a football game on ABC. Obviously, every week we dig in, we get ready for the XO, for the analysis of understanding the two programs inside and out. What we're balancing here and getting ready and why we went and spent the day, the entire day yesterday, from the start of practice through hanging out at the facility at Colorado to spending quality time with the coordinators to sitting in the recruiting office with Prime to then going into his private office and just being with him, is to try to get a sense and capture what this American cultural phenomenon is, why it's happening, how they're dealing with the reaction to it, what the entire vibe is. This is far, far more than a football game tomorrow. And I know that sounds crazy to try to make it something bigger. But when we're dealing, listen, my 82-year-old mother-in-law knows I'm doing the Coach Prime football game this week. She couldn't (laughs) care about Colorado and Oregon. Like, this thing's different, bro, all right? When we're starting to get to the point where I understand a year ago when 60 Minutes is saying, hey, there's something unique happening down there in, in Jackson, let's go visit with Coach Prime and catch up with, you know, a, a yesteryear superstar who's now in the second act of life. When they come back 11 months later and they're doing the bigger treatment because America is obsessed in recent weeks with anything and everything dealing with this guy, this team, and what's going on, this thing's different. So you got to take a much different approach to how you go into the production and the broadcast because we know, you guys saw that rating the other day that went until 2 in the morning. That's not normal. Television ratings fall off a cliff at midnight Eastern time. It is not normal to almost have 10 million people staying up till 10 in the morning to watch a game like that. We know that this rating on ABC, 330, with the big treatment against a top 10 team, has the chance to be record-setting. 
especially if it's a competitive one-possession game. But the reason it's record-setting is because of prime, because everybody, not just the casual sports fan, the non-sports fan, is tuning in to see everything he does, every move he makes, from the shades to the walk to the strut to the interplay with his sons. This is a far different beast than what we're used to dealing with in sports coverage. Tess, we've been around some really big, I'll use your word, phenomenons in college football. Johnny Manziel was something. Tim Tebow at Florida was something. These are things that just, they, 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 they go above the sport. Is Prime surpassing all of that, even the Tim Tebow stuff? Yeah, Joe, I think it's even far different than that. And in fact, we had a meeting this week with our production team where I said, I know the natural gravitational pull as endemic media is for us to make comparables that stay within a sport, maybe stay even within sports. I think they're really, if we take a, if we take a big step back, I'm 52 years old. So in my lifetime, I think if we take one big step back and we say, what has truly transcended sports? Who are the people and who are the phenomenons and stories of American culture and society where you really say, okay, this is far different. This is something where even somebody has no interest in sports, can't help themselves but to, to have an interest and want to know what's going on. So for me in my childhood, that was Muhammad Ali, who went far beyond just being the heavyweight champion of the world, right? Iconic global, global superstar, activist, uh, brand, everything you want to say is the greatest of all time. In the 1980s, I would say, in that period of time, and I will call it, say, the Barbara Walters, Robin Givens moment with Mike Tyson. Yep. Anything Mike Tyson did, the world stopped. It was tabloid. It was back page. You couldn't, it was a draw, real-life soap opera happening with the baddest man on the planet. And then I would tell you in 1997, when Tiger Woods did what he did at the Masters, and then for the years that followed that, Everybody was just tuning in to see the guy in the red shirt on Sundays. It, it didn't matter if you liked golf, you didn't like golf, you were a sports fan, you weren't a sports fan. The past two and a half to three weeks in our country, that's the level of the obsession we're seeing with Coach Prime. It's far different, and I think we could analyze it on, on different ways. We could analyze it in where we are in the crossroads of society right now, where we are as a country, the figure he is, the way he goes about his business. But but it's very, very different, and I think it's very different than even Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow. Joe Tessitore is going to have the call ABC tomorrow, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, along with Jesse Palmer and Katie George of Colorado and Oregon. So many people from the outside look at Dion and think he's just a celebrity coach and probably leaves a lot of what's going on to everybody else. But that's not the case. Joe, what has at made all. Dion Sanders the superstar athlete really become the great, great coach. Well, to your point, listen, he does know how to delegate. And his, yeah. he made amazing hires in both coordinators of Sean Lewis and Charles Kelly. This guy knows ball inside and out. And when you sit with him, I mean, I'm sitting with him for a long time in his office yesterday. You will hear the phrase old school. We're old school time and again. He will reference Mickey Andrews, his old defensive coordinator at Florida State. There is so much of that era of hold your guys accountable coaching from that era that he grew up in, from the Gulf Coast of Florida coming up at Fort Myers to his days 
at Florida State. He turned to me yesterday because I was saying, listen, there, there's things with Bobby Bowden that I see with you in terms of the way you're managing, the way you delegate. It's just packaged differently. And he was representing Mickey Andrews, and I think that's very, very fair to say that. I was sitting there at practice yesterday. I watched Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator, run from the other side of the field, 50 yards, screaming with his clipboard just because he didn't like the alignment on the far side wide receivers in a three-by-one set. They were off by about one yard. I saw Coach Prime driving his incredible golf cart, by the way. That thing is sick. (laughs) Down to the defensive backs, right? To scream, to simply scream, give me another corner on the field because he was so disgusted on one single play. I saw him say something to his son Shiloh yesterday in terms of effort that was far different than just being a dad on the field. These are coaches that from top to bottom are going to hold kids accountable. And his opening press conference that everybody, some bristled at at the time when he walked into that room and said, this is not going to be for everybody. I'm going to suggest to many of you that you think about where the door is right now because you're not going to be here. That was pointed and purposeful. And now you're seeing exactly why he had that conversation that here's the standard this is what's acceptable nothing else will be accepted and listen they know where they have some weaknesses on this team they know where they're thin on this team and where the roster management still needs to catch up and he would even tell you he knows there are current players on this team that aren't going to be on this team in about three or four months right because of where he's building the thing but you will hear him use that phrase old school time and time again. This is very, very different than what we've seen with the evolution of most coaches that were old school, how to become players coach, how to become talent acquisition, recruiting guys that then baby a player. There's no baby in here. He understands the talent acquisition business, but when you hit that field for him and in you're in that locker room, you are getting a version of the way football used to be coached. Joe, awesome stuff. Have a great call tomorrow. We're all looking forward to it. 3.30 p.m. Eastern. You, Jesse Palmer, Katie George for Colorado and Oregon. We appreciate the time, man, and I'll, I'll keep an eye on the mustache for you. I want a big, big, big tub of good facial hair wax in that studio. That's what I want to see right now. Let's get after it, Joe. Hey, Joe, get hot. Make America cash money this weekend. Will you please? People Tess- are out there struggling. Tess, we were four, for we, people. Will you please? We were four and one on Thursday night football. Tess, we're cooking right now. We're cooking. Let's go. Get hot. That's what I'm talking about. That's like a good Saturday at Saratoga, brother. We'll see you. <laughs> Joe Tessitore, awesome stuff. He is he is in Eugene for Colorado and Oregon tomorrow. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, and there are amazing college football games. All along the docket yesterday on the slate, we are going to tell you where the upset is going to happen next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. College football tomorrow on ESPN Radio. It's the Pac-12 openers for 22nd ranked UCLA and number 11 Utah. Both are undefeated and go head-to-head in Salt Lake City. Coverage begins tomorrow at 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Uh, trip to Salt Lake City for-
Perkeski, along with Ian Fitzsimmons and Kelly Stauffer tomorrow. Looking forward to that. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Psst. The secret to winning game days this college football season is Eckrich Smoked Sausage. Visit Eckrich.com for dozens of simple, mouth-watering recipes to elevate your next tailgate. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, are we ready for some college football. Let's after, do it. After you're out here pumping sausage, yeah, heck yeah. Like, that's oh. the endorsement I need. Chris Absolutely. Carlin pumping sausage, I'm eating that sausage. If I'm telling you it's good, it's good. <laughs> number 15 Ole Miss and number 13 Alabama. Joe, I can't rule Alabama out yet. Everybody is just finishing them off like it's like it's over. I, I can't say that it's over for Nick Saban yet. Even... I was surprised when Feinbaum said it on this show earlier this week that this is the beginning of the end. I really need to see this thing sink before I'm going to believe that. And sinking would be losing to Ole Miss at home. Problem for Alabama is this is the first time in years they haven't had a quarterback. They just yeah. can't get the position right this season. It'll happen. But they've been spoiled. They've done very well with Tua Tungavailoa, with Mac Jones, with Bryce Young. Now they're in a situation where they don't have one of those guys, and it's showing. They're not going to compete for a national championship this year, but they can still be a very formidable football team. If you want to bet in this game, I'd bet the first half under 27.5 points. Bama has gotten off to a lot of slow starts, but I think the defense shows up early here against Ole Miss. Number six, Ohio State, and number nine, Notre Dame. Joe, this is going to be a classic case of Notre Dame finding out what it's like. (laughs) Oh, you think so? Oh, I do think so. I'm going to be very surprised if this is a game uh, late fourth quarter. I think this is a two-touchdown game. This is a a get-right game for Kyle McCord, and he finally steps in and is kind of in control of that Ohio State offense and I think until you really deal with the Ohio State defense up close and personal in a spot like this, you don't know. I I think this is a tough one for Notre Dame and Sam Hartman. A lot of questions. A lot of questions for Ohio State. We saw them on the road to open the season at Indiana. It didn't look very good. Then they basically had two tune-up games where they were able to roll up big numbers on offense. We're going to find out a lot about Kyle McCord this weekend in South Bend against the Notre Dame offense that has hung 40-plus points in all four games they've played this season. Now, they haven't really played anybody, but they did pass a big test going on the road to NC State and hammering the Wolfpack. I believe that was just last week or maybe it was two weeks ago. Whenever it was they did that and it was impressive i lean to notre dame plus the three here but it's not a big wager number 19 colorado at number 10 oregon we we're just talking to joe tess about this colorado's 21 point underdogs i mean that's th- or aren't these numbers just a little too big now when are we going to learn our lesson here I- i'm going to take the 21 here because uh, frankly as good as oregon is Until Colorado shows me that they're going to go and get their doors blown off, why would I go against them? Understandable. And a lot of people will say that about how big the number is, but let's think of it like this. Number one, it opened 16 and a half, and it was nothing but sharp money pounding that all the way up to 21. Number two, we gave Colorado plenty of respect last week. We made them a 23-point favorite over Colorado State, and they almost lost the game outright. So we're still trying to get a true sense of who these guys are. Better than expected, but not as great as the record indicates. This is a brutal spot for them. They're off a war against their in-state rival. They lose their best player in Travis Hunter. They got to go to Autzen this week to take on a very good Oregon team that's going to hang a big number in this game. I would lay the 21 with the Ducks. Number four, Florida State at Clemson. I 
I cannot believe that it has ended this way for Clemson, but it has. Or Dabo Swinney, who's just, he, he has not embraced the transfer portal at all, and it is hurting him right now. And I, I think Florida State is going to go into Clemson and roll them, and I will be surprised if it's different. I am a big Florida State believer this year, although I can't sit here and tell you that I expected Keon Coleman to be this level of player coming from Michigan State. Yeah, that's been a great addition. I mean, that's the difference between these two teams. Dabo refused to embrace the transfer portal early, and it's burned him. He got more aggressive with it this year, but Mike Norvell, the head coach of Florida State, he is the master of the transfer portal. I don't know if there's a head coach out there that's done a better job with the transfer portal than Norvell, and you're seeing the results. They won 10 games last year. This is a big test this weekend. Some people don't like Florida State because they look very sloppy against Boston College last week, but they still won. That was a classic look-ahead game. This matchup here comes down to a couple things. For Florida State, they're scoring 47 points per game, but defensively, they miss too many tackles and they give up too many big plays. Clemson, who looked awful in Week 1 against Duke, has had two tune-up games to get the offense in shape. Will the offense be able to take advantage of some of those mistakes on the Florida State defense? If they can, they can hang in this game. But if they look anything like they did against Duke, especially in the red zone, this is going to be a Florida State blowout. I think it's going to be tight. I'd play over 55 points. I think we're going to see a lot of scoring in this one. Rutgers at number two, Michigan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Wait a minute. One of these things is not like the other. Rutgers, huh? This is where the upset happens. Oh, this is the upset? We're in Ann Arbor. 24 the number, Joe. Take boots. Uh, I'm going to lay out a little bit of a case for you if you want it. I'd like to hear it. Here's what it is. Three years ago, Rutgers almost beat them in Piscataway. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, they lost here. Rutgers lost here 20 to 13. Last year, Rutgers led at the half before it got away from them in the second half. All I'm saying is this is going to be a competitive game. Okay. I do not believe, especially when you look at what Michigan has done offensively so far this year. Uh, last week, J.J. McCarthy threw three picks. He didn't look as sharp as could be. So, you know, all I'm saying is uh, be careful. Be careful. Is, uh, is Harbaugh back for this game? What's his status? He is. This is his first game back. Okay, so he's coming back in, like, classic Michigan fashion. It's been nothing but patsies to open the year. They play East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. Now, I know a lot of people are upset that they have a soft schedule to open the season, but what's the incentive to have a tough schedule? Win a bunch of games with a name like Michigan. You're going to get into the playoff if you're there. The committee wants teams like you in the playoff. In terms of this game being close, I could see it. I don't really have a feel for it. I'll trust the big man. If the big man feels that this could be a competitive game, Joe Fordball can get behind a competitive game. All I'm going to say is this. Tomorrow, it's hailed to the victors because they'll be wearing scarlet. <laughs> also, there's nothing I like more than a radio guy saying, all I'll say is this. No, it's not. You'll be talking all day. <laughs> That's not all you're going to say. You're going to be talking all day. I make that mistake, too. Look, I just have one thing to say, and then four minutes later, I'm still going. Exactly. Exactly. Sit tight. We'll get to you. I only got one thing to say here. (laughs) Don't worry. It'll just be the next 45 minutes. Right. All I'm saying, take the points. Take the points. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.